Emerging technologies are transforming the healthcare industry as we know it. Investors, say hello to HTech, a portfolio dedicated to capturing the significant growth potential of healthcare innovation. Learn more at roboglobal.com slash HTEC. Are you tired of not earning anything on your hard-earned money? Your path to more money starts with a certificate from Pathways Financial Credit Union. Right now, earn a 2.68% annual percentage yield on a 60-month certificate with a a minimum balance of just $500. Great rates like this have helped make Pathways the fastest growing credit union in Ohio over the last 10 years. Earn more on your money. Stop by any convenient location or check us out at PathwaysCU.com. Pathways is federally insured by the NCUA. Welcome everyone to another episode of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Taporic and we have made it almost through a full week's worth of games in the 2017-18 season. And unsurprisingly, it has been a wild first week. We are here to talk about the Phoenix Suns completely imploding. We'll also review Lonzo Ball's debut in the NBA, Mark Fultz's wonky shooting mechanics, and Dwayne Wade accepting his role on the bench for the Cavaliers. Before we get underway, wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find all three of our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some reviews. We would love any feedback. And we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FanRag NBA. Joining me today, as always, are my two co-hosts, Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. How's it going, you two? Giannis Anadokounmpo is 22. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Two years old, Brian. 22. And he's yep. doing these ridiculous things. I feel old. Uh, right? I know. It's I, I, We had that talk about him on last episode, and I'm, I'm still finishing this b-ball breakdown piece on him. Uh, it's just like, I don't even know what to say about him, aside from he's already a top five player in the NBA. That's the only thing I could say. It's, it's ridiculous. 37 points a game, 11 rebounds, five and a half assists, two steals, one block, 10 free throw attempts per game, and he's doing virtually everything within eight feet. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it lends hope to Ben Simmons being able to have a similar impact without having a jumper. Uh, Sarah, how's it going with you? Your Spurs are doing Spurs things as always. <laughs> they are. Um, and the whole Giannis thing, while it's beautiful to watch, it really just makes me miss Kawhi even more. Yeah. <laughs> that's really the only thing that that's holding me down right now but it's gonna be okay that's reasonable at least rudy gay is playing well in his absence mm-hmm. lamarcus aldridge has can you continued his hot start to the season i know you'll give a shout out to another spurs player <laughs> later on the episode uh let's start guys we have to start with the phoenix suns i mean we joked about them on our last episode because they got blown out by 40 they then proceeded not to play defense against the Los Angeles Lakers and made Lonzo Ball look like a superstar. Uh, they then got blown out by 40 again. Uh, then 
shit really hit the fan Sunday because first Eric Bledsoe tweeted out, quote, I don't want to be here, which everyone naturally assumed meant, you know, the Phoenix Suns. Hair salon. Yeah, right. We'll get there. Uh, then they go and fire their head coach, Earl Watson, on Sunday. Uh, they have Jay Triano is their interim head coach for the time being. Uh, who knows if they're going to hire someone else or just let him let, you know, let the inmates run the asylum all year. On Monday, Ryan McDonough, the Suns GM, met with reporters to talk about Bledsoe and talk about the firing of Watson. Uh, and as Mort alluded to, McDonough said he called Bledsoe, and Bledsoe's excuse for that tweet was he was at a hair salon with his lady, and he said he didn't want to be there. Uh, McDonough surprisingly did not believe that and and held him out from Monday's game, which they actually won against the Sacramento Kings because, of course, they did. Uh, so I guess I don't even know where to start. I guess more we got to start with Bledsoe and then we can talk about Earl Watson. So it sounds like, I mean, McDonough said he's not going to be with us moving forward. It sounds like Eric Bledsoe is, has played his last game in a Suns uniform. Yeah. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN reported teams are already, you know, circling the wagons and trying to come up with their best offers for Bledsoe. It sounds like a matter of when, not if, he'll be on the move. Where would you like to see him end up? Well, I am dicking the Milwaukee rumors because mm -hmm. remember about a year ago, we, the three of us, we had a discussion about Bledsoe mm -hmm. and we were kind of gauging where would he fit. And mm -hmm. Milwaukee was the one destination the three of us we really started talking about like oh that would that would be good like having this defensive oriented athletic beast next to Giannis at the point and finally give Milwaukee like a solid point guard who can do a bunch of different things so those rumors excite me a lot and the Denver rumors obviously mm -hmm. excite us excite me a lot as well because we've talked about them too. And they would also make a beautiful destination for him so they can avoid playing Emmanuel Moutier. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, that begs the question. Uh, Denver, at least, you know, nothing is concrete, but the the trade suggestions I've seen floated out there were for Denver, Emmanuel Moutier plus Kenneth Fareed for Bledsoe. You're basically trading problems for problems because Fareed's pissed that he's not in the rotation. Moutier did not beat Jamal Murray for the starting spot. You know, at this point, probably best for him to have a fresh start. And then Bledsoe, obviously, uh, needs to get the hell out of Phoenix as soon as possible. Do you think that's enough for Phoenix to pull the trigger, just Moutier and Fareed? Or would Denver need to attach some type of protected first-round pick? I mean, no. under normal circumstances, I would have <laughs> said no, that's not enough. But look at the summer we've just had. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, Paul George <laughs> right. was basically traded for a bag of Cheetos. Yeah. Hey, Victor Oladipo's playing well. Yeah, for now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and it's Indiana. He has the green light. I mean. Right. Yeah. No, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, it's, it's just the, the supposed value that we put on stars, and make no mistake about it, like Eric Bledsoe healthy is a star. Mm -hmm. He is terrific. And... We can sit here and look at the numbers and go, you know what, this guy is worth more than that, this and that, but the market apparently has an idea all, all on its own. 
So I'm not sure if Phoenix bites. I would love that deal for Denver, and I would hate it for Phoenix because that's not getting a lot back. You're getting for Reed, who's an energetic power forward with severe limitations, and mm-hmm. Emmanuel Moutier, a guy who just can't shoot and doesn't seem to be able to run an offense without turning the ball over time <laughs> and time again. Right. So on the surface, that seems cheap as hell. Yeah. So then let's go to Milwaukee. What would you give up? Would you be willing to part with Malcolm Brogdon to get Eric Bledsoe? Yes. I would. Interesting. I and and that's I I love Malcolm Brogdon. I think he's really really good. But I would be willing to go that far. Like I wouldn't start any conversation with Brogdon at all. It would mm-hmm. be my secret little if he comes up and if that's the line in the sand that they're drawing. I'll I'll be willing to give him up, type mm-hmm. of deal like John Henson and assets, that would be my starting point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you would do like John Henson and Brogdon for Bledsoe. If push came to shove, I would probably go that far. Yes, even and having said that, I love John Henson. I I think he's got a, a pretty bum rap in in Milwaukee. He's playing like yeah. nineteen minutes a game <laughs> right. for his career, which is ridiculous. So right. I want him to get. Uh, out of Dodge as well. Yeah, you might love John Henson, but Milwaukee clearly does not love John Henson. Yeah, so they... <laughs> it does feel like he's he he would be a logical piece to dangle. I, you know, at when trade rumors start, you just see like all these random people come out of the woodwork on Twitter. So I saw someone yesterday say they like floated Greg Monroe and Thon Maker for Bledsoe, which just doesn't seem accurate. But. No. I the point is, unless Denver is willing to include Jamal Murray, which I don't think they would be, I feel like Milwaukee has more ammunition, like more gettable ammunition to use in the Bledsoe deal than mm-hmm. Denver. But frankly, I don't think I I would rather see him in Denver than Milwaukee. Like I, Milwaukee, I just want Giannis to continue putting up like 40 15 and 5 every game like i don't want to see another high usage player i think brogdon's actually a great fit there just let it roll i mean here so here's one other question would you do henson and jabari parker for eric bledsoe yes would you rather do that than henson and brogdon as of right now yes two acl tears in the same in the same knee that has me worried. Like, obviously, that's just me commentating from the outside. I don't have the medical reports. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even if I did, I'm not smart enough to read a medical report. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> right. But it, let's assume for a second that I was and I had access to all these great nuggets of information. I would, uh, I, I would, you know, gauge it differently probably sitting there. But on the surface, two ACL tears in the same knee is just so not great any yeah. stretch so yeah I, I i would definitely do that and and to your point about Giannis and going all crazy i would hate that's partly why i also want bledsoe in milwaukee i would just hate for milwaukee to wear down Giannis. Mm. i don't want to Derek rose him at all mm-hmm. yeah he does I mean, need that little bit of extra help and chris middleton has for unfortunately struggled to start the season so yeah yeah at Tony Snell, your boy, your old Chicago friend Tony Snell, actually, he's playing kind of well. Um, 
Sarah, is there anywhere else that you would like to see Bledsoe end up aside from Denver and Milwaukee? Oh, Spurs. <laughs> I did see that floated around, but but yeah. I'm pretty good with the Dejounte and Prey that we got going on. <laughs> the whole model, <laughs> I'm good with it. Um, I agree with you on both counts, Brian. I think trade wise, it's probably a little more doable for Milwaukee, but I would prefer to see him in Denver and not in Milwaukee. Um, even then, I mean, you know, you don't really want to throw eight super high usage guy in there either because you want to, to be able to continue playing through Jokic as much as possible um, but they do need another solid point guard on the roster for sure mm-hmm. who else what What are the That's teams a, that need I one? saw like Clippers thrown out there but I don't know well I mean what with, they with have. Milos going down potentially mm-hmm. yeah but Brooklyn, and DeAndre I guess. Jordan wants him, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. DeAndre I Jordan forgot about that tweet. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, I don't know, like Austin Rivers and yeah, another first round pick because Doc Rivers hates first round picks. I, don't, I mean, Minnesota's kind of intriguing, appealing. but um, there again, what would they do to make it happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Sarah, what like, would you give up if for the Spurs? If you were because the Spurs mm-hmm. went was actually. In the mix, a little bit, supposedly, for Chris Paul and, and a lot of point guards. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them go after Bledsoe simply because they might feel that Deontay is capable of also playing the two. I mean, I think he's interchangeable, so yeah. it might work out like that. So what would you give up if you were the Spurs? Well, if you recall, I was not uh, in on the whole Chris Paul train <laughs> because I, yeah, I didn't want to give anybody up. I'm really the wrong person to ask for that type of thing because I kind of I kind of always favor not just even for the Spurs but like like uh, the question you were posed about Brogdon like I like you you wanted to keep him too but you said if push came to shove you'd do it it's so hard for me I always kind of prefer the guy who's there and who's kind of mm-hmm. played well in a spot than than trading for this potential superstar that may or may not fit mm. um, so. So me, your I'm, answer is Joffrey Laverne in seconds. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> it would, like two weeks ago, it would have been Lamarcus Aldridge, but now he's playing well. I just told y'all that I love all the role players who come through the door. Like I just yeah. told y'all Brandon Paul and Derek White. I'm super excited about who barely touched the floor so far. So yeah, I'm the wrong one to ask. <laughs> yeah, I've seen. You know, again, this is all speculation. I've seen. Detroit floated out there like you swap Reggie Jackson for Bledsoe maybe throw in pieces I, I don't know what else you would like Tyson Chandler included just to get off his contract but if you're Detroit why do you want Tyson Chandler if you have Andre Drummond the Cavs are always going to be out there because of the clutch sports connection you can do like Shumpert uh, Channing Fry, and I, I think the, the earliest pick they could trade that isn't the Brooklyn pick which they are not trading for Eric Bledsoe is 2021 so maybe a Phoenix adopts like a really long-term view, but I would think you would want something more along the developmental timelines of Booker, Dra- Dragon Bender, Marquise Chris, Josh Jackson, then Shumpert and Channing Fry. Brooklyn, I guess, now that Jeremy Lin is out. Mm. Like, mm. I don't know. I don't think Brooklyn wants to trade any more draft picks, but... Mm. You know, maybe you, you offer up a guy like Karis LeVert and 
what I don't know what else. I guess salary filler, Trevor Booker, and see. You know, I I don't know if that's more appealing than a deal like that. Is that more appealing? More do you think like Karis LeVert and Booker than Moutier and Fareed? For me personally, yeah. But keep in mind, I absolutely love those guys you just mentioned. Trevor Booker, right. one of my favorite players. Karis LeVert, lots of potential. Was great at Michigan. Now seems to be finally healthy. So mm-hmm. I think he's going to have a great career. So, But that's just me personally. I'm yeah. kind of going the, the other way around as well and asking Phoenix, like, what would they like? What mm. if they would like immediate salary relief? The Bulls? Exactly. Yeah. And it maybe even be able to attach uh, Brandon Knight. Mm-hmm. And then the Bulls give up, like, <laughs> some sort of deal that is easily movable, like Nikola Mirotic, who, where there's an out after next season. Yeah. Oh, that would actually be interesting. Huh. Yeah. I mean, Lloyd knows the Bulls need more point guards. So... Getting two more would I be... Mean, yeah, why not, right? <laughs> they're taking small ball to the logical extreme, and they're just going to run five-point guards out there. Well, the the incentive of the Bulls is not to hang on to Bledsoe necessarily. So you get yeah. him for the season, and then hopefully you build his, his trade value up, and then you, in the summer, see what you can get. Even if you only get, like, a protected future first, or, like, a pick in the 20s, or something mm-hmm. like that for a team that might be... Under their cap, you can theoretically do it right after the draft going into free agency. So, right. I mean, there would be some possibilities there, but the point being is if you can take Bledsoe and Knight yeah, off the Suns roster, it could be Tyson Chandler as well, like one of the two, mm-hmm. yeah. to give uh, Phoenix more salary relief, it might be worth you know considering for Phoenix because that would make them players yeah. in free agency. Right. I, I mean... In theory, I don't know who's yeah, signing up to right. go to that. That's the thing. How well has that gone for them recently? Right, right, right. Uh, but okay, we can all agree going, uh, you know, betting on free agency is just fool's gold, really. <laughs> I mean, it's it's been a problem for so many teams that go the cap space route. It's just it doesn't really pan out. It's a minuscule percentage where it ends up working. So yeah, yeah. depend. See, I like I want to draw a differentiation there because I got into an argument recently about like the little Marcus Aldridge extension and why you know it could come back to bite the Spurs down the line and like more I, I totally agree that most times that cap space is fool's gold and like in the Bulls case next summer it's going to be exactly. in the Suns case it will be but like if you're a team like the Spurs and you have Kawhi you have Pop you have a team that hasn't won fewer than 50 games in what like 37 years mm. uh the, you know, there it's like a little more enticing. Like there, there you, if you actually have cap space, there's reason for top free agents to come and take those meetings and be like, oh, okay, you know, <laughs> it's the Spurs. Like it, it has more cachet than the Suns, the Bulls, the Knicks, the Kings, mm. even the Sixers, unless you're gonna like wildly overpay. Um, so like in general. I totally agree. I just, you know... Yeah, for, certain, for teams. certain teams. Yeah, I would yeah. agree with that, definitely. If you're a good, well-run team, it makes sense. But yeah, that's the, the thing. Are Most, that. Right, and neither are the Bulls and the Knicks. Like, those teams who routinely go after cap space are usually pretty poorly run teams. Right. 
So, Sarah, I want to ask about Earl Watson, too, because we've joked about him before as being not a great coach, and especially not a great coach with a super young roster. Did you expect it to go to shit this quickly? No, but, I mean, that start was atrocious. (laughs) You really can't overstate how poorly they played, how bad they looked. I think... You know, that's been mentioned that everyone around the league, I think, expected them to not be good. It'd probably be one of the very worst teams in the league. But I don't know that there's really any excuse for looking that bad. Like, they didn't compete at all whatsoever. So I I kind of understand it. I don't ever, you know, celebrate somebody losing their job. But And it also makes no sense, as has been pointed out, too, like, if you're going to get to that point this quickly... I guess they didn't expect to look that bad either. But, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it makes sense to do that over the summer and not, you know, lose a whole training camp with the coach that you're not going to be keeping. So none of it makes sense. It's certainly the problems are, are far deeper than Earl Watson. So that's mm-hmm. the part where it's not fair. <laughs> he didn't put the roster together. So, but, but yeah, they didn't look ready to compete. And, and some of that has to fall on his shoulders, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, you know, we people have whispered, not even whispered, just said outright that Robert Sarver is a terrible owner. And more. this goes back to your point that you've made repeatedly about how team success or failure really starts from the top down. It right. starts from the ownership level, then GM, then coach, then players. So, like, if your owner is toxic, if you have a Sarver, when you had Donald Sterling with the Clippers, if you have James Dolan with the Knicks you're like you're starting way behind the eight ball and you need a lot of things to fall in place to actually you know get back to a level where you can compete so you know sarah as you said like it makes no sense you know you knew going into the season the suns i would be really surprised if i found a single ranking where they weren't mentioned among the bottom two bottom three Mm -hmm. like everyone knew this suns team was going to be garbage as you said I don't think anyone expected them to lose by 40 <laughs> points twice in their first three games. And then, like, you know, Matt Moore of CBS had clips of from the Lakers-Suns game where they literally just made a layup line for Lonzo. Like, they did not play defense at all. So, yeah, like, they played really poorly, perhaps even worse than expected. But no one expected them to be competitive this year. So to make Watson the sacrificial lamb three games into the season, I think it just speaks to the culture of dysfunction around there and more as you said like if they go if they go the free agent route who's going to take that money mm. like you're going to have to wildly overpay someone and you're just going to set your team further back so you know like the suns in theory this is you know they they could they could do their version of the process right now cuz they have a bunch of guys on rookie contracts like now is the time to get veterans on two or three year deals before you have to pay Booker, Jackson, Bender, um, Marquise, Chris, but they're the Suns. So, like, who wants to actually go there right now? I don't, I don't think anyone does. No, um, I mean, but... we should really add them to the pile. I had like a three list uh, or a list of three teams that I thought had toxic ownership the Bulls, mm-hmm. the Knicks, and Sacramento. Mm-hmm. But we can add Phoenix to the list, and honestly, Sacramento, for now, it seems like Vivek Ranadive is finally shutting up, which is huge progress for them. Yeah. Um, a, a so simple tweak, yet so very effective. 
<laughs> right. Let your basketball people run the basketball department. Unless you're the Bulls. Yeah, or in right. which case you need to step in the next. It's it's kind of like the opposite problem. So ownerships, it's it, the thing with me is you the NBA kind of figure out, okay, you can actually get better by throwing a lot of money to coaches as well. Like we are going to just empower coaches. We're going to pay them a lot of money so we have like a structure going on for our team. And, and we can also pay the best executives a lot of money. But the one thing you can't really change are owners. Well, you can, but that would have to come at the owner's consent. And no no owner in the NBA is going, oh, well, shucks, I just effed it all up. I'm going to sell the team because I'm not very good. No, mm-hmm. no, no, none of them have that low egos. They all think they're doing a hell of a job, and that's a huge concern. Right, yeah. So... Do either of you have any idea for coaches who would be a good fit in Phoenix, or is it just a lost cause this season? Well, I don't have a specific name, but I would like to go through the roster, you know, the college ranks, probably. I think Mm -hmm. you have seen a lot of good coaches come up from college programs, or internationally as well. Mm. Yeah. Stealing Sarah. Spurs executive, or yeah, Spurs assistant. I was going to say, Becky Hammond, is it time for her? Oh, yeah. Don't do that to Becky. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to say I'd love to see Monty Williams get another shot, too, uh, at head coaching, but I don't want to do that to him either. So Right. It's a tough yeah. situation at the moment. Of course, you're not going to fall into any great situations, unless you're Steve Kerr, maybe. But <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, yeah maybe uh, Byron Scott is always available. He handled the Lakers' young talent so well. <laughs> So uh, how many I, days had it been since the last coaching fire? Was it 511 or something like that? I don't this? know the exact, but I know like we went the entire 2016-17 mm. season without one, which was very rare. We're getting back to norm. because Yeah, it now, feels like this yeah. is not the, the last one. Oh, definitely. Jeff Hornacek is probably on the bubble. Fred well, Hoiberg, like at some point, you know, you have a yeah. couple teams there. Alvin Gentry, too. Oh, right, Gentry. Through no fault of his own. I mean, again, Alvin Gentry is in a very similar spot where it's like he didn't build the roster, but he's going to take the blame for it Mm -hmm. because they only have three and a half guys who can play basketball. All right, let's move to the other big news of the week. Uh, Dwayne Wade more... We talked about it last episode, and you know, I think it was two games into the season, and we said you know the Dwayne Wade Derrick Rose pairing was not a functional fit. Derrick Rose then sprained his ankle. Uh, Jose Calderon moved in the starting lineup temporarily, but Dwayne Wade is now willingly accepting a demotion to the bench. J.R. Smith is going back into the starting lineup, even with Calderon still starting and Derrick Rose still sidelined. I'm assuming you're. Are you surprised it happened this quickly? Yeah, that's the only thing I'm surprised at, that this happened this quickly. I'm not surprised that it went to crap because it was Mm -hmm. a bad idea to begin with. So, yeah. Uh, Also kind of surprised that Dwayne himself was willing to, like, be this sacrificial lamb in regards to roster chemistry. That is not a a skill he showcased before. So (laughs) good on him for finally realizing that he's old. (laughs) <laughs> yeah also i mean we said it last time like i think he fits better as you want shooters around lebron so he didn't fit great there he's still gonna play minutes next to lebron like that's not a concern but 
You want shooters in that starting lineup, and he fits well as a second-unit ball handler. Like, that's a perfect role for him. He can command the second unit, run wild with Kyle Koiver and Jeff Green and Tristan Thompson, and, like, they're still going to... I mean, it just it's better balance, better roster balance overall. So, like you, I'm not surprised it happened. I am surprised it happened this quickly. And, again, like you, I'm pleasantly surprised that Dwayne was the one who the impetus for that change I think that speaks volumes to you know the type of culture the Cavs have at least uh, with LeBron there uh where you know guys for are now. like yeah right <laughs> for this year and this year only uh but you know guys are willing to make big sacrifices like Dwayne signed for a minimum deal there and he's willing to come off the bench like he doesn't really give a damn he just wants to do whatever it takes to win a ring and like make at least get back to the finals where you know now that Boston's beat up the Cavs should have a pre- pretty easy road back to the finals as long as Ugh. Greek Freak doesn't just completely annihilate all worlds you know what Milwaukee I I I said that they were like 5 looking in yeah screw that it's the big 5 now yeah yeah I completely agree I mean Boston has real depth concerns, especially Marcus Smart is like dealing with an ankle now. I know like Milwaukee does too, I guess. Like if Greek Freak goes down, they're completely screwed. But it would not surprise me at all. We, you know, we spoke with this in our season preview with Matt Moore about like, you know, how we thought Cleveland, Boston, Toronto, Washington were locked in as the top four, and he asked what team could sneak in, and we said Milwaukee, like. I don't even think it's controversial now to say Milwaukee could be a top four team. Like mm-hmm. they, with you know, like with Giannis playing this well, like he single handedly murdered the Trailblazers the other night. Oh yeah, I mean, with the forty four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I just, if he continues playing at this level, not only is he the MVP front runner, but I I would not be at all surprised if Milwaukee sneaks into the top four, pushes Boston down to five. Well, rest in peace your mentions. <laughs> True. All right. Is that, uh, that hot a take, though? I, I mean, I could see it. Well, no, but it's it's completely just logical. People? But, do, I mean, yeah. just... <laughs> gotcha. Celtics Twitter, right? I yeah, mean, right. <laughs> right. I did have someone, because, God damn you, James Hollis. I, yeah, I need to rebel, reverse shout out to James Hollis, because the Celtics and the Sixers played on Friday, and after, like, Abid played, like, total ass, as he said, or in his own words. Uh, he I, he shot, like, 4 of 16 from the field. And then James tweeted some stupid shit, like, oh, Aaron Baines and Hal Horford had him in shackles. And I was like, come on, bro. He's clearly just out of shape. Like, shut up. And then these Celtics fans actually came into my mentions <laughs> and were defending James when he was clearly just... Like he didn't mean it, guys. He was just being a troll. <laughs> but then these people were like, "You're just being a fanboy." He's not out of shape. And I'm like, "No, he is like on the record. Both him and Brett Brown have said he's out of shape. This isn't me. Like, it's Al Horford. Like Al Horford is not a good defender. Al Horford didn't do shit against Joel Embiid. He just didn't want to drive into the basket because he got winded within five minutes." Oh, <sighs> James is the best troll on Twitter. We should really give him the war. <laughs> Yeah, he really. It, I, I I started DMing him all of these people, and he just started laughing at me. It was, <laughs> I'm, 
We got to reverse your reverse shout out because that <laughs> rant was worth it. <laughs> there you oh, go. Uh, all right, let's go to the Lonzo Ball show. He made his debut Thursday night. Patrick Beverly drank his milkshake, just absolutely destroyed him. He did play well against the Suns, who, we, as we mentioned, played no defense. Uh, and then kind of middle of the road in his third game. So, Sarah, impressions of Lonzo on his first week in the NBA? I think that's, you know, this is kind of what we can expect, a microcosm of the whole season. He's going to be up and down a little bit, especially when he gets up against a defender tenacious like that. Of course, luckily for him, Patrick Beverly is probably (laughs) the top of that ladder. So (laughs) you've already... Seen the worst of the worst, uh, your first time out. That's actually probably a good thing, you know. Yeah. Go ahead and get get your feet to the fire right away. Um, but he's, you know, we know what he's capable of. He's gonna be able to make nice passes, get teammates involved. Uh, his shot is as volatile as ever. Sometimes it's gonna go down. Sometimes it's gonna hit nothing but backboard, and you know, it's just gonna be that way all year. Um, He's like I said, he is going to struggle at times when uh, when they really guard him tight, and he's going to have trouble getting the shot off at times because of the way that he brings it in front of his face. It's it's such <laughs> a strange, such a strange shot. But um, I mean, the good news for him is people probably won't be guarding him that tight most of the time, so it'll be there. He's just got to try to knock it down. Yeah, um, yeah, he went. <laughs> One of six, I have the numbers pulled up. One of six for three points against the Clippers. Uh, But he did bounce back, nearly triple-double against the Suns, and then almost triple-doubled again against the uh, Pelicans on Sunday. Two points, two rebounds short. So he's still actually looking for his first triple-double, but he has flirted with it in the past two games. Uh, We're not going to bring up Voldemort, uh, but he did say... Uh, you know, after, after, uh, I think it was after the Pelicans game, right? Where, yeah, it was. Uh, he said, the, the Wizards better beware, because Lonzo ain't losing again. Not this week. And then Marcin Gortquat reported, er, he replied, sorry, man, please, John Wall will torture him for 48 minutes, crying face, crying face, crying face, crying face. So, are we, do you expect... Like is is Voldemort putting Lonzo in an even worse spot? Like, are, are do you think other NBA guards are like actively looking forward to the first time they play him so they could just shut him down? Well, you don't even need to ask, ask me that. You should just ask Patrick Beverly, who more or less answered your question. He was like, <laughs> "Guys are gonna go at him." Like, and there are a lot of people out there who said that you know Voldemort has basically ruined his rookie season because. <laughs> By uttering all this stupid shit for the last year, or six months, or whatever it was, you have like a plethora of strong defensive guards who's going to take that as motivation. Now, let me just clear up something here, because Twitter seems to be a little bit confused about it. In particular, Lakers Twitter. It's not that the motivation is usually lacking, but every NBA player has taken a book out of Michael, a page out of Michael Jordan's book. 
Michael had to like rile his himself up. He had to find some sort of slight to get him going. Like if mm-hmm. some dude just said something to him, like if he was having like a pedestrian game, he was like, "Oh snap! I'm gonna kill you! I am going to literally <laughs> murder you!" And it's the same today. Like players go through 82 games. They have to find something to get their juices flowing. Look, it's not about Voldemort. It's about what it represents. It represents an opportunity for those guys to look themselves in the mirror when facing Lonzo and going, oh yeah, I've got something to play for tonight. I've got a, a chance here to really showcase my skills. I, I'm going to go out and get myself an A++++ game and I'm going to murder this young man because that's where I'm at. It's not Lonzo specifically. It, he's mm-hmm. just being used as a vessel for motivation. Yeah, I think that sounds right. I mean, you know, that was a big concern. Like, even dating back to the draft was, would Voldemort affect his draft stock? And it clearly didn't. But I think it's clear that, as you said, Mort, like, NBA players, it's a long season. Like, it's hard to get up for games, especially against crappy teams like the Mm -hmm. Lakers. Now, at least opposing point guards are, you know, Circling that date. Yeah, like they're actively looking forward to just ruining this kid's life for 48 minutes. And... I can't wait for when Marcus Smart has to play against oh. Lonzo Ball. <laughs> like, we all yeah. talked about Patrick Beverly. I yeah. want Marcus Smart to just look at this young dude and go tell Brad Stevens, when Lonzo checks in, that's when I check in. Yeah. Oh my god, that will be fun. I mean, like, hell, when the Spurs play him, Danny Green's just going to be glued to him all game. Minnesota, you got to figure mm. Jimmy Butler takes it. Oh, like, Jimmy, you know what? Jimmy, he's not a talker when it comes to that. But yeah. I know this dude, he goes up for those matchups. You yeah. can bet your ass Jimmy is going to go to Tibbs and he's going to go, can I guard Lonzo tonight? And right. Tibbs is going to go, sure, sure, Jimmy, yeah. go ahead. go, go. Or, or as Tibbs going to say, he's go, go get it, go get it. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> so we can't let this segment pass without the Snoop Dogg quote, though. Oh, yeah. (laughs) His dad threw him in a lion's den with pork chop drawers on? Yeah. Yeah. And the thing about it is, like, back when you could argue that, you know, none of us really appreciated his methods, but, okay, you could say he's he's raising draft stock or he's raising profile or at least getting people to talk about the kid. And in that sense, maybe it was helping. At this point... I don't really think there's any way that all this talk can help Lonzo's career. It's mm-hmm. at this point you're really only putting a target on his back. So I don't understand why you keep up with that. Now it really feels like it's about you and not mm-hmm. about your kid and that to me that's kinda gross. Yeah. Yeah, I mean hopefully he's got one kid at UCLA now and then a kid who he's now homeschooling, so hopefully he like falls off the map after the next couple of games, and we don't have to speak his name anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the meantime, Mort, as you, <laughs> I, I too am now looking forward to Marcus Smart eating his lunch. Oh yeah! I mean, hell, the Sixers the night of the draft. You know, I think like Ben Simmons or Joe B tweeted Ben Simmons. I hope you dunk on him so hard his daddy comes running onto the court. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm I'm excited for that game, too. That's coming up. Yeah, but it's so weird. Like, I'm a father as well. And obviously, my kid is the most awesome kid in his entire class, but I'm not going to say it. 
<laughs> not gonna go into the classroom and look at the other kids and go, you know what? Compared to my kid, you all suck. Like that's right. just, that's not being a good parent, and especially not when it's on a national scale and on a global interest level. It's it's so dumb. Like he might have given him more sponsorship opportunities, but he mm-hmm. might have ruined his rookie season, which is like you know the first day of school. And let's let's think a little bit ahead here. If Lonzo has a really poor rookie season, partly because of this, that could go into his head, and that could actually negatively affect the rest of his career. Like, granted, worst-case scenario, still a scenario. Yeah. And, I mean, let, let's list, I'm going to list off some of their upcoming opponents. This week alone, Washington, Toronto, Utah. So that's John Wall, Kyle Lowry, Ricky and, Rubio. And, yeah, Utah's defense generally speaking yeah right yep they've got memphis in early november oh Boston. yeah mike right <laughs> washington again milwaukee they have the sixers in mid-november like they have a brutal stretch of upcoming matchups for that kid oh Giannis it's... switches out on lonzo <laughs> yep or tony snell on him oh yeah and or even brockton he's a good yeah, defender or, as well or yeah. middleton Mm-hmm. Like they have, yeah, they have plenty. Have, yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna be Voldemort really better go disappear soon. Or did you guys his kid see, is in a world of hurt? Did you guys see the open shots he got in Phoenix? I know you alluded to yeah. it. Like the, right. the three of the four threes that he made were just wide, wide open. Like Bledsoe yeah. and company went under the screen routinely. And like, okay, here's the thing. I'm gonna give. Lonzo credit for at least making the shots. That's his job. Like, if someone goes under the screen, you better pull up and make the jumper. And he did. Mm-hmm. So credit to Lonzo for that. But it's not a a sign necessarily of what's to come. It's <laughs> it's just the Suns being that damn awful. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I mean, I would encourage everyone to go find Matt Moore's piece on this from the other day. Because he right. has video clips of the Suns, just how apathetic they were on defense, and it was really, like, it was a spectacle. I've never seen an NBA team not care on defense that much. It was really, truly impressive. Okay, next we are going to do... You guys peer pressured me into this. I really didn't want to talk about this, because I'm already more nervous about it than I would like to be, but we need to talk about Mark Fultz. Um You know, he... The free throw struggles are still real. Uh, he did hit two against Boston on Friday and got a loud ovation from the Philly crowd. Uh, which was That's just mean. It was just so depressing. It was really bad. Uh, but he missed two against Washington. He shot four of eight from the line against Toronto. Didn't take one against Detroit on Monday. He's coming off the bench. Uh, he, he hasn't taken a single three-pointer all year. How how worried should I be more? Like, what is there any precedent for a guy who shot forty plus percent from college, showed off three point range in summer league, you know, had this in high school too? Like, this was one of his strengths coming into the NBA, mm. and now it's just gone. Like, is it the shoulder injury, or is it something worse that I should be far more concerned about? Looks like the shoulder to me. I I don't think that he should be written off as, you know, having the, the yips or whatever you call it, or 
not having the ability to shoot from NBA range, etc., etc. His shoulder seems to be really messing his game up right now. Like that free throw release, that's not something that you you do if you have a good shoulder. It just mm-hmm. doesn't. Like uh, I can't even call them draft expressive anymore because the guys work for ESPN, but they still keep their Facebook updated as Draft Express, and sometimes they post video. And um, I think it was them that today posted a video from his Team USA. Might have been them or the FIPA Facebook account, actually. They posted a video of him taking some free throws in international competition, which was very smooth and, like, no hiccups and, you know, everything was just really, really smooth. You don't make that change. You don't make that significant a change if you don't if you aren't hurting is my point so i'm chalking it up to the shoulder and the i think he should be sitting down i don't mm-hmm. see why he should be playing if the shoulder is that bad then you you risk you know aggravating it you risk him getting into a bad confidence territory where he can't make a shot and it festers on him mentally i would just sit his ass down until he's healthy lord knows philly has experience doing that right yeah i know that's where i've been for most of the year as well like i i do think like you i think it's the shoulder rather than like the yips maybe there's something mental now like you know it just seems it it, it seems like it has to be something physical for him not to have attempted a three-pointer in four games like that just doesn't it doesn't make sense if it's anything aside from him physically being unable to you know whatever raise his shoulder in that way or just like take that shot without feeling major discomfort i'm gonna i don't know why i'm gonna give the sixers the medical or their medical staff the benefit of the doubt given their experience over the past couple years allowing joel joel mb to play with the torn meniscus allowing robert covington to play with torn meniscus they don't deserve it but i'm gonna hope that they have correctly diagnosed whatever is going on and that there is no risk of aggravating that injury or making it worse by him continuing to play through it. You know, I don't know if that's true or not because the Sixers haven't said anything about, they haven't released specifics about what the injury is. Um, Dan Feldman of NBC Sports, who covers the Pistons, um, he he had an article today about you know kind of what's going on with Fultz and Fultz did tell him it's the shoulder is what's causing him to adjust his free throw stroke he said quote I do what I've got to do to get the ball on the rim which doesn't seem (laughs) all that great uh but more to your point about like why are they letting him continue to play I thought at toward the end of Dan's article there was something uh Interesting, he said. Uh, he, I guess he spoke with Brett Brown as well, and Brown apparently wants Fultz to focus on everything but his jumper, defense, running the offense, getting to hit his spots in the pick and roll, which frankly he has been doing well. Like, aside from not taking a jumper and having like no, you know, there, he's passed up wide open shots. Like, there are other parts of his game that he has been flashing that. You know, it's like, oh, well, when he starts shooting a jump shot, he'll be a good prospect again. So that's still there. It's not like he's a total bust. Uh, but Sarah, like, where do you stand on this? Do you think the Sixers, do you think it makes sense for them to continue playing him and letting him get NBA reps while he deals with this? Or should they just sit him down and let him get healthy? 
Yeah, I, the latter of the two would be my uh, my preference, I think. Yeah, I 100% understand wanting to get him NBA experience, but I just don't think it's the most important thing right now. And obviously, I don't know what's going on with him injury-wise, but from all the quotes that we're reading, it just sounds bad. I mean, if, if you have to shoot your free throw that differently because your shoulder hurts that bad to shoot it the way you normally would, that to me is like a giant neon flashing sign that you, know, <laughs> you maybe should not be shooting the ball then. Um, yeah. And I get it. <laughs> Supposedly they don't really want him shooting. They just want him, you know, I guess dribbling around out there. But nah, I don't, that doesn't sound good to me. It's worrisome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, Fultz has said his shoulder is getting better and he's closer to a hundred percent. So I hope, you know, hopefully soon it will, he'll just be back to his normal self and we'll start to see the prospect that everyone fell in love with this past spring. Um, I, I think there's definitely a lot of Schoenfried going along, especially from the Boston side. Like, Oh, this guy, you know, look at Jason Tatum. He's so great. And Fultz looks like a total bust. Ha 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 ha. Like, He's I not a bust. That's that. that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, he can yeah. play. He can shoot too. That's what's really nuts about it. We've seen him shoot, right. so right. <laughs> that's. I don't think that will continue to be a problem. He just has to get healthy. Yeah, yeah. I think he he needs to get healthy. He can get his confidence back. Uh, I'm not super panicked about him yet. Like it's it's admittedly like mildly concerning. It's not how you want mm-hmm. the number one overall pick to start his career, but luckily. The Sixers have so much else going on. You know, J.J. Reddick's playing extremely well. Uh, ben Simmons, obviously, is, like, just lighting the world on fire. Embiid had an awful game against Boston, but hung 30 on Drummond last night. Jared Bayless is, like, playing shockingly. You know, he he got hurt very early last season. I think he played two or three games and then missed the rest of the year. So he's been filling, filling in for faults in the starting lineup, and he's been doing the token, like, play off the ball, hit a couple threes, make a couple dickhead turnovers, and call it a day. Uh, so the, the, the Sixers have some good stuff going on. There was just a lot of panic. You know, obviously, I follow a lot of Philly guys, and when they started 0-3, there was a lot of panic in the streets, but, like, look who they played. They played the Wizards, the Celtics, and the Raptors. I mean, it's going to be, you know, it's that they were never going to win 50-plus games they were always going to be in a slog for the number eight seed. The Wizards game was close. They had a chance to win it. They just, they, they're relying on a bunch of rookies and second year players. And those guys make careless mistakes, especially toward the end of games in high pressure situations, which is what happened in Washington. So that won't be the last time it happens, but you know, they played Detroit on Monday night, got their first win. Like they, they'll be fine. It's just <laughs> right now is the time where a lot of fan bases tend to overreact. And Philly people are already just baseline irrational for their sports. So everyone, in the words of Aaron Rodgers, R-E-L-A-X, relax, chill <laughs> out. Fultz is going to be fine. The Sixers are going to be fine. I actually have an anecdote here. Oh, or, yeah. And and this is going to show my age. Oh, because no. during LeBron's rookie season back in 2003, going mm-hmm. into the year, there are a lot of concerns. Does LeBron have a jump shot? That was the mm-hmm. primary thing about him coming into the league. And it took him until the seventh game to really showcase like a, a shooting prowess. It was against New York, and he hit 
three for three from downtown and took a lot of mid-range jumpers that looked clean. After that one game, you know, the media kind of eased up on him. Like, you know, you saw headlines going, well, the, he can shoot. He followed that up with shooting 40% and 50% of the next two games from behind the arc. And that's all she wrote. After that, the co- whole concern about LeBron being able to shoot from the outside was lessened. Like, it wasn't gone, but it was lessened because mm-hmm. just the fact that he had a couple of breakouts. So, Markel, well, we should just wait for him to go like four for six from the, behind the arc for one game. And then suddenly that whole bubble is going to burst a little bit. And that's yeah. going to buy him some breathing room. So, yes, relax is the key word here. Yeah, I'm doing, like, the prayer hands emoji right now. Just, <laughs> I want that to come sooner than later. But in the meantime, enjoy Ben Simmons, who got his first career triple-double on Monday night. And then All Philly fans are used it. to waiting. That's true, I know. We got, yeah, like, he, Michael Fultz is playing this year. That's already... <laughs> Way that's ahead of schedule. Start. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's move to our Where Amazing Happens segment where we're going to – let's just do a quick bullet point version where we highlight some of the more notable positive stories in the NBA over the past week. We already shouted out Giannis, but Andrew Wiggins with the game winner against OKC. I mean, he's you know he's had a decent start to the season. It's a mm-hmm. good time to be on the – Andrew Wiggins may have been worth the $150 million camp. Shit uh, defense, though. If you saw, yeah. like, the last possession. I know. Well, also, there was a moving screen that Carl Anthony Towns had that went uncalled. So, probably shouldn't have happened. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that that's the early favorite for game of the year, Minnesota OKC, because Carmelo came down, hit a go-ahead three-pointer uh, off a of rust pass, and then Wiggins came right back, four seconds left, dribbled halfway across the court, <laughs> sinks a cold-blooded game winner. So shout out Andrew Wiggins. You know that that the first two games he really did nothing outside of scoring. But that game against OKC, seven rebounds, four assists, two steals, two threes. That's the kind of the more well-rounded impact that we're hoping to see out of Andrew Wiggins this year. So here, fingers crossed that he keeps that up. Thank God for Jimmy Butler. <laughs> uh, more anyone you'd like to shout out? Uh, in terms of where amazing happens, yeah, I mean, I've already mentioned him, and it was Giannis. I have one guy yeah. I want to shout out, but that's that I'm leaving that for my cross section. Okay, uh, but I, I I think we should mention Giannis again because he's just been utterly ridiculous. I also I you know what I will shout out the rookie class in general mm. as yep. well. It's been decent. It's been yeah. it's been a lot better than last year, which is probably very easy to be better than last year <laughs> right. admittedly but right just a lot of solid performances players who seem to be sticking to the game plan and looking ready uh even even guys who like missing their jump shots are you know developing in other ways or in other mm-hmm. areas and, and contributing there so i'm really digging the the rookie class and of course ben simmons as well as you mentioned before even though he was from last year uh Good year for the rookies. And yeah. and in the same vein, god damn it, is it unfortunate that Teo Dosich went down and is out mm. indefinitely because yeah. he is so much fun. 
Right. Yeah. Re- reverse shout out to all of the injuries out there. Oh, I, I listed yeah. them so Monday in my waiver wire column on FanSide, and, and I like had to keep going back and adding more because it was like, then I was like, oh yeah, Rodney Hood also got hurt. Oh yeah, Miles Turner has a concussion. Oh yeah, Hassan Whiteside's out. Then oh, yeah, Schroeder Chris Paul's out. Was, yeah. Right. Yeah. Then it's Schroeder. Like. Just an unreal number. Thankfully, only a couple that will knock people out for the year, like Hayward and Lynn are done for the year. I think that was it in terms of, like, season-ending ones. But even Chris Paul for a couple weeks. You mentioned Nico earlier. And then a bunch of guys, you know, Ronnie Hood. Yeah. I really want that dude to stay healthy. I'm going to have a lot of egg on my face if he does not stay healthy because I really thought this was his breakout year. Yeah, this opening week has sucked. Let's just be frank about it when it comes to injuries. It's oh, yeah. way too many bodies have gone down for the first week. I mean, I am getting tired of the word indefinitely. <laughs> Me too. Me too. I also want to... You're, you're taking an early lead more on our Brooklyn Nets bet, 2-1. and one. Yeah, they, <laughs> they beat up on a bunch of crap teams, but 2-1 mm-hmm. and one is 2-1. and one. It's the East, uh, man. I told you. <laughs> they are... I, I mean, I'm not even surprised. Well, who they, they so they lost to the Pacers, but they beat the yeah they beat the Magic and the Hawks at home. Exactly. So woo. Yeah, <laughs> One but I mean, parrot. hey, look, and they're gonna get like three wins against Chicago. They're probably gonna take Indiana at a second point. And look, the East is so bad, man. It's so it, bad. They're they're probably also gonna lock up two wins against Phoenix. So yeah, well, yeah, they and Dallas looking. I'm looking at their upcoming schedule right now, and they're gonna have they're gonna be seven and four by the end of this. Yeah, Orlando, within the next two weeks, they have Orlando, at Orlando, at Knicks versus Phoenix, at Lakers, at Phoenix. I'm gonna hire Denzel Washington to come on this podcast to say King Kong ain't got shit on me when I prove to you that they are worth the playoffs. They're gonna be seven and three because their only hard games in that stretch are versus Cleveland and versus Denver. And Cleveland got spanked by what twenty? Magic, yeah, yeah, Yeah. by the Orlando, yeah. So yeah, they're they're the other ones who I want to shout out. Like, I I really thought the Magic, you know, we we just have shit on them for two straight years and just thought of them as a Eastern Conference also ran, but they came in with an impressive season open win against Miami, spanked the the, the uh, Cavaliers by 21 without Aaron Gordon in the lineup. Their only loss was by five to the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, we're, we're going to find out a lot about this team in the next couple weeks because they have Sarah there against your Spurs uh, on Friday. They've got dates with a three-game road trip, Charlotte, New Orleans, Memphis coming up. Boston's on the schedule next Sunday, so we'll see how legit they are pretty soon. Uh, but really, I mean, Nick Vucevic, especially, lighting it up early on in the year. All right, to be fair, because we just trashed Lonzo a little bit for getting open looks against mm-hmm. Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Vucevic, I, I saw the Brooklyn game. <laughs> oh, we yeah. got 41. Yeah, those were just wide ass open looks from the outside. He went six of eight from downtown, and and a lot of shots from inside the arc as well. He was wide fucking open all game long. Like credit for him for knocking it down and everything, but he did not have to work a a, a lot to to get the forty one. You're telling me Timofey Mozgov isn't a rotation player? Hey, I never <laughs> said Brooklyn was perfect. <laughs> Uh, Sarah, anyone you want to shout out for Where Amazing Happens? 
Well, you you, you kind of mentioned it in passing, but I'm wondering if you didn't put the, the Ben Simmons triple-double in here just so one of us would mention it. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I got you back. Um, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, was, that was pretty nice. Uh, like you said, these showing flashes of the potential, at least, to be able to impact games similarly to how Giannis is without having that outside shot. Um, although I've, I watched a few of the clips, I'm like, what the hell is, is Detroit actually trying to do? A couple, at least twice, guarding the uh, the Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid pick and roll. Yeah. They sort of like, two guys both stepped out <laughs> on Ben around the three-point line. I'm like, yep. guys, I'm like, he's not going to pull that, so... <laughs> 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 they just let him beat go to the ring. He just dives and he's you know wide open for the lob. Um, I don't know what that was about, but like maybe you're trying to get ball pressure, but it was sort of half-hearted. I don't know. Anyway, we won't talk about that right now. Um, I also wanted to shout out Giannis for rewarding my vote of confidence from last week's pod. <laughs> I said, <laughs> yeah, he probably needs to move into that top five, uh, and because of the personal preference of being able to do it from end to end and that's exactly how he closed out that portland game you know Mm -hmm. he got fouled and missed those two free throws but then he comes down and and rips cj mccollum which may or may not have been a foul (laughs) but (laughs) it looked pretty good um and then the block on nurkic so Mm -hmm. and that's it that's the type of stuff i'm talking about and i just love seeing a player who can do that um also i I guess i kind of want to save it for uh we're planning our sort of early season surprises to record mm-hmm. later so I'll just throw a little teaser out there but you know Marcus Hall and the Memphis mm-hmm. bench need some yep. love Blake Griffin needs some love so I'm looking forward to talking about them yeah stay tuned for that later this week uh yeah I'm glad Sarah I'm glad you took the bets of it stuff I didn't want to say that he was the first <laughs> rookie since Oscar Robertson to have 10 10 and 5 in his first four games but <laughs> Since you, you brought just had it, it locked up. and loaded, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm writing about. Uh, I'm writing something about him for B-Ball Breakdown later in the week, so stay tuned for that. No, as well. you yeah. writing about the Sixers, dude. I didn't. Jesse pitched it to me. I didn't even have to say it this time. <laughs> um, yeah, he's he's been he's been just so fun to watch. Also, shout out to Joel Embiid because he, uh, you know how he like picked the fight the other day with. Um, with Hassan Whiteside in the preseason, mm. after the after the Sixers beat the Pistons, he apparently said Andre Drummond plays no defense. And then Bleacher Report tweeted out that quote, and Andre Drummond tweeted back and said, "See you December 2nd. So <laughs> I'm I'm pretty excited. Like Joel Embiid is his own Voldemort. Like he is his own hype man, and he mm-hmm. is starting a war against every other Eastern Conference center, which I am all here for." Joel Embiid is that dude who has a podcast and goes in to rate his own podcast and writes his own review. <laughs> yeah. He's the best, and I love him. Never, never change, Joel. Stay healthy, please. All right, let's wrap things up with our crush segment, which is we're going to shine a spotlight on a player who deserves more recognition than he's getting. So, it's been Sarah. A while. It has been, I know. We, yeah. we we finally have real basketball to talk about again. <laughs> so, Sarah, I'm going to let you start things off, because if you didn't take this guy, I was going to. <laughs> yeah, I, I usually I wouldn't pick a spur, but you know, I felt obligated. 
like you said, somebody, one of us had to, so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's DeJounte, obviously. Um, been playing incredibly well so far, even better than I expected, and I expected him to be pretty good, but to right off the bat be so good, it's very impressive. Um, I think last night he had 16 points, 15 rebounds, 6 assists. Just <laughs> ridiculous. The rebounding is something that I probably should have seen coming, but I, I didn't even think about. Um, he's really, really used his length on the glass, and also defensively, he's had active hands every game. Uh, he's already, you know, three games, small sample, but he's averaging a steal a game and almost just a shade under 10 rebounds a game. Um, and his assist numbers are a little better than I expected so far, too. He's just under five a game and 13 points. Um, but what I love is he just does give the Spurs this other dynamic uh, that they they didn't really have. Uh, mainly with the rebounding and the length defensively. Uh, he really adds to that. You know, they already have, of course, Kawhi's not playing right now, but Danny Green, Kawhi, they added Rudy Gay. So there's something brewing there uh, mm -hmm. that's really, really interesting defensively uh, with the length that they have. We've seen it already. They've had a lot of deflections and a lot of steals, just having their hands in passing lanes, um, which I don't think teams are used to from them even as much as we've seen so far. Uh, and he's just, like I said, he also, the thing we were looking forward to was he could push pace, you know. Yeah. Mm. But and Spurs are still playing at an extremely slow pace overall, but he can still shock you at times, take it off the glass and go. Uh, he's helping with the offensive rebounds as well. They just have to be mindful of that when he's in there. Somebody's going to have to always be back because he won't, you know, naturally the point guard position is your safety. Um, so just as long as they cover that, he can really help on the offensive glass as well. He's got this nice nice touch off the glass, nice floater that he seems really comfortable with. Um, he's making nice reads. He's running pick and pop with Lamarcus well. So overall, just really pleased with the way he's played. Not to put on my Morton troll face here, but when <laughs> Tony Parker comes back, what do you think the Spurs do with their point guard rotation? You know... It's a great question because I just I really don't see Pop putting Tony on the bench. Right. But you never know. I mean, Dejounte is certainly making a case for himself. And honestly, not to slight Tony, I certainly want Tony on the floor. But I think there is an opportunity for him to to play really well off the bench too. So. I mean, it's it's a tough call. That that's good news, though. If if Dejounte keeps making it a tougher and tougher call for Pop, I I'll be happy with that. It's yeah. it's not a tough call. <laughs> <laughs> it really isn't. <laughs> surprise, surprise! The Spurs have another first world problem on their hands. Yeah. <laughs> boo, boo hoo! You have too many talented point guards. Shucks. Uh, <laughs> Mort, how about you? Who is your crush of the week? Well, this is our first crush segment of the season, and I'm already mm -hmm. going to cheat. I have two. Okay, my my number one is rookie John Collins. Mm -hmm. uh, I loved him coming out uh, of college. Just a, a high-efficiency player, great rebounder. We talked about him at length when we had like a plethora of guests on prior to the draft. Um, a lot of guys were not really that high on him. And I just didn't understand why. And the, the, the 
two biggest arguments were he didn't have range and he wasn't a great defender. Now, the great defender part is one I agree with. I also, obviously, also agree that he doesn't have range, but it's not been a problem. Like, he's a high-efficiency player who can score around the rim. He's athletic. He rebounds. He's doing all that dirty work. He's an old-school four, but he makes it work for himself. Really digging it. He's averaging 11.8 a night um, scoring-wise, 7.8 rebounds and a block, and that's only in 19.3 minutes, shooting 50 three percent from the field and 82 from the line this guy just is one of those guys who is continuously going to be efficient like he was at at wake forest so really digging what he's doing and the second thing also a little bit of a crush is the jordan bell off the glass lu dunk because (laughs) i don't care i don't care that the game is over whatever I think yeah. it was so stupid to make a thing out of this. Look, yeah. I know I'm European, and in Europe, in Europe here, when we play basketball, we don't like dribble the clock out. It's balls to the wall until the buzzer. That's the game. It's it, it, the, we've seen this thing in America where everyone is like, you have to pay respect. You know what? If you pay respect, then I mean, this team was down. The Dallas Mavericks were down like thirty at that right. point in time. Like just. If you want respect, show up for the fucking game. It's, <laughs> right. I mean, I have no problems with it whatsoever. And Rick Carlisle blowing off Steve Kerr after the game when Steve <laughs> trying to apologize for it is just ridiculous. Come on. I, I mean, then then show up for the game. I have no problem with what Jordan Bell did. And, you know, the crowd was ooing and eyeing. And at mm-hmm. the end of the day... That's what it's. This is all about. What we are covering right now is entertainment. So get over yourself, old school NBA guys who have a problem with guys running up the score. Jesus Christ, it's it's I an mean, old problem. Like new school thinking, please. Breaking news: The Warriors are showboats. I had yeah. no idea. <laughs> right? Like, I, I mean, they, they are. I mean, but, right. Like, but I don't just... care who it had been. I mean, it could have been. Yeah. You know, Orlando running up the score on a bad game from Toronto. It doesn't matter. And Terrence Ross doing a 360. It doesn't matter. Just, yeah. I mean, he wanted to give the crowd something. He gave it, and they were ooing and eyeing, and it was nice. Like, yeah. Jesus. you have. I mean, I'm just tired of drama being everywhere. Like, just stop yourself. I also, I mean, it was worth it just for Kevin Durant's reaction. Like, oh, that's yeah, that definitely nice. going to become a meme yep. if it hasn't already today. Like, it, it was a little bit last night. I saw someone tweet out, like, when they find your other burner account, and then KD was <laughs> <laughs> covering his face with his eyes wide open. <laughs> so, yeah. if it isn't a meme yet, please let it be one. But good call on John Collins as well. For anyone who plays fantasy basketball up there, pick him up now back-to-back double-doubles it's only a matter of time before atlanta goes into a youth movement that kid's gonna get more minutes as the year goes on yeah i mean Mort, you were right you nailed them pre-draft you were you like i remember every time we brought up mid-range prospects you know you always made sure to ask about john collins Mm because you were like i really like this guy what what am i missing here and then people people were like well yeah he's he's fine he is what he is uh but it looks like you know, Atlanta's got some... I, I didn't want to take Torian Prince for my crush because I don't... I, you know, I want to spread the crush love. I don't want to focus two players on one team, but, like... That has Torian one Prince win. Is, yeah, right, right. <laughs> but Torian Prince is playing really well. Like, mm. he's going to be... He's a thing. He is a legitimate thing. Uh, 
DeAndre Bembry is hurt right now, but you know he's got talent. Like Atlanta has, they're starting to have some fun young pieces on that team. Not counting Dennis Schroeder taking thirty shots and scoring twenty five points a game. Um, my crush of the week. I'm going back to the Brooklyn well here. Karis LeVert. We brought him up earlier when we were talking about uh, Eric Bledsoe trade stuff. But, I mean, so Lynn goes out the first game of the season. Alan Crabb started against Orlando. LeVert came off the bench uh, against the Hawks on Sunday. LeVert started. Crabb went to the bench. In 30 minutes, LeVert had 16 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 steals on 5 of 9 shooting. Kid's really good, guys. Like, I, I don't know, you know, I made fun of you more last episode, and we mocked you preseason for you saying the Nets had a chance to make the playoffs. I, I still don't think they do, but the Nets have some really interesting young guys. Not only D'Angelo Russell, who is already <laughs> three games into the season, making Lakers fans just have pangs of regret over that trade, but... Lavert, I know Mort, you're not crazy high on Rondé Hollis Jefferson, but he's you know he's in the mold of a Michael Kidd Gilchrist, and that mm. he's at least a good defensive wing slash forward who can't shoot at all. Oh, he's solid. He's just like there's a ceiling. Right, 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 right. Um, Jarrett Allen, Isaiah Whitehead, like this this team. If they hadn't traded away each of their past like 16 draft picks, they would be in much better shape. But again. I feel like I shout Sean Marks out on this podcast at least once a month, but once again, shout out to Sean Marks for taking the gamble on Levert. Like lottery talent that fell to twenty because of injury issues. Knock on wood, he's been healthy so far. So I hope he stays that way and we get to continue seeing him build upon his game because he's he and D'Angelo, like the Nets are on the rise. Like if I'm if I'm a Nick or if I'm a New York fan right now, who would you rather be a fan of? The Nets or the Knicks? Right. It's no I mean, question. Yeah. The Knicks have Chris Stops, but like the Nets have competent management, a great young coach and Kenny Atkinson who's great with player development. Like the Nets are on the rise. It, it sucks yeah. that they're not they're not gonna have their draft pick this year. Uh but after that, they start getting draft picks again too. And like they're not they're probably not gonna be in the playoffs next year either. So they they'll have a chance to start adding to this young core. So remember when you trolled me a little bit on Twitter? And you said, you know, you quoted the whole Jeremy Lin injury that he was out for the season. You, you yeah. attacked me and you said, <laughs> you know, uh, that you didn't want to see my playoff projection die this way, which is, <laughs> right. I, I get that. And then I said, I would still claim victory if they won 35 games. And you said, I pretty much nailed this one. I think you said, bruh, I, yeah. you, you can claim victory if they win 25 Yep. Now, I'm giving you one chance to back out of that one <laughs> right now. Uh, 25, that's that's your number. 25 is low, yeah. I mean, I'm going to stand by it because after we mentioned their schedule coming up and how it's a cakewalk, but after that, it gets Builds confidence, horrendous. dude. You can ride that wave. Confidence <laughs> is, everything, is everything. I don't know. I still think they're... Like I'm, I am thrilled for them. I'm especially thrilled for D'Angelo Russell, who I believed in. And I wanted the Sixers to pilfer, just from the moment that Snapchat gate with Nick Young came out. Uh, I'm really glad that we're starting to see him become the player that 
he's always been and that he always could be and it was just he was in a crappy situation with the Lakers but I don't know. Let's. I, <laughs> I'm gonna ask you to pause on your victory lap more until they play a real team. Because Indiana, Orlando, and Atlanta. That's all I'm gonna say. Well, we'll see. <laughs> all right. Well, that will do it for this episode of the NBA podcast. Thank you all to tuning in. Uh, reminder: you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find all three of our Twitter handles in our bio. So give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe there, download, leave some reviews. We would love any feedback. And we're being hosted on FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FanRag NBA. Until next time, I'm Brian Tapork, and I was joined by Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. Have a good one, you two. You, you too, too Brian. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.